Well, hello, Ensign College. You know, I uh, listened online to some of the devotionals earlier, and I appreciated uh, President Cush's uh, remarks today. He gave an overly generous introduction to me. But I really liked the devotional when he opened up the semester, and he talked about how you are scrappy, which I thought was a wonderful word. Sometimes when you're scrappy, people have underestimated you and you prove them wrong, which I think is an awesome quality for people attending Ensign College because it is the same thing as an Ensign. An Ensign gets lifted up and nobody really knows what that's for until it begins calling people and it shows its true colors. So I'm very happy to be with you today. I'm thankful for President Sister Cush. They are my neighbors and they're my friends and so it's nice to be together at Ensign College. And I'm also thankful for Charlotte's prayer. It was a beautiful prayer that I feel will invite the spirit. And she told me as we were beginning that she is a current Relief Society president. And I said, well, what have you learned? And she said, I learned that we have to act and not just talk. And I'm going to take away that lesson from Charlotte. So thank you very much. You know, I travel, and sometimes when I travel, people will give me something that's uh, important to them. And I was recently in someone's home, and they gave me as a gift a wooden crocodile that they had carved. It's painted in a beautiful way. It has, it has fingernails, and it has white eyes, and it's made out of wood that's been stained green. And I put it somewhere where I can see it every day. And I just want to tell you why I keep that crocodile, because it reminds me of something that's very meaningful to me, and I hope it'll be meaningful to you. Some of you might know about the Mara River in Kenya. There are a lot of kinds of wildlife that cross the river at certain times of the year to get to the sweet grass that's on the other side. So herds of animals come to the banks of the river as part of the yearly migration. But the river is also home to 15-foot Nile crocodiles. And the crocodiles love the herd migration because they're always on the lookout for their next meal. Oftentimes, an inexperienced animal like this antelope, they don't feel that the crocodiles with their low profiles in the water pose much of a threat. The antelope don't see how under the water the crocodile is poised for action. Look at his arms. <laughs> they look out over the river and they see innocent looking animals that are floating amid the plants, so they jump in and they start to cross the river. And they don't reckon with how fast those crocodiles can move and how strong their jaws are when they clamp down on something, and how quickly they can spring forward on those powerful legs. Now, if you want to draw some parallels about this story to us, sometimes we're the antelope, and Satan is the crocodile. In our inexperience with crossing the water, we see the crocodiles in the river, but we don't recognize them as dangers. That low bump in the water looks harmless to us, so... We ignore the crocodiles that are right there in front of us, and we wade right into the water. And usually, a herd follows us in, thinking, if she went in, it must be okay to go in too. Satan waits till everybody's deep in the water, and then he strikes. And a lot of antelope get lost this way. Our Heavenly Father knows that we're inexperienced, and yet, we still have to cross that river. He doesn't necessarily take away the crocodiles out of our lives, but he gives us some things to help us get to the other bank on the river. So today I want to talk about three things that are those helps from Heavenly Father. The first one that he offers are people who have successfully crossed the river before. They have experience. They've discovered where to cross and where those crocodiles don't like to swim. They've perfected a swift little kick or a well-timed jump that keeps them out of the jaws of those crocodiles. You'll often see antelope 
herding along the banks with zebra and wildebeest. And zebra and wildebeest cross the river much more often than antelope do. They have things to tell the antelope, but the antelope aren't always interested. Where are the experiences of the people who have successfully crossed the river written down? It's in the scriptures. Well, you might say, Sister Eubank, that's true, but the scriptures aren't really about modern times and modern problems. They don't cover the things that are going on in my life. Let me give an example <clears throat> about Alma the Younger. Because he spent his young adulthood doing the exact opposite of what his parents wanted him to do. He rebelled against God, he gave up following the commandments, and he bullied and he mocked good people. And then something happened one day when he was walking along the road with his friends, and an angel appeared to him. Now, in Alma's words, you can read this in Alma 36. He said, I was racked with eternal torment. Yea, I did remember all my sins and iniquities, for which I was tormented with the pains of hell. Yea, I saw that I had rebelled against my God, and that I had not kept his holy commandments. Yea, and I had murdered many of his children, or rather led them away unto destruction. Yea, and so great had been my iniquities that the very thought of coming into the presence of my God did rack my soul with inexpressible horror. Oh, thought I, that I could be banished and become extinct, both soul and body, that I might not be brought to stand in the presence of my God to be judged of my deeds. And now for three days and for three nights was I racked, even with the pains of a damned soul. In essence, Alma jumped in the water as an ignorant antelope. And then he bullied other antelope who were hesitating to get in the water with him. And when they were all trapped in the current, the crocodiles encircled them and started to close in. Alma got caught. Powerful jaws clamped around him and he got bit in half. He got eaten. He was dead. There's no going back. He was crocodile food. Stupid Alma. Listen to what he says. And it came to pass that as I was thus racked with torment, while I was harrowed up by the memory of my many sins, behold, I remembered also to have heard my father prophesy unto the people concerning the coming of one Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to atone for the sins of the world. Now as my mind caught hold upon this thought, I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou Son of God, have mercy on me, who am in the gall of bitterness, and am encircled about by the everlasting chains of death. And now behold, when I thought this, I could remember my pains no more, yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more. The lesson from the scriptures for you that applies to every modern problem that you're facing is this. Jesus can snatch a half-eaten antelope out of the jaws of a crocodile and restore that antelope to life again. Now, it's impossible, you say. It's not logical, it's not practical, but it's true. It happened in my own life, and I have scars, but I'm whole. This is the miracle of repentance and forgiveness, and it's what the gospel is all about. It happened to Alma, and it can happen to you. The Lord will remember your sins no more, and you will be free to be a little antelope again. It's never too late. If you call out for Jesus Christ to have mercy on you and give up your sins. So we all need to read stories about zebras and wildebeest and rescued antelope. And they're written down for us in the scriptures. And we need them because they make, we make so many mistakes. 
and the scriptures point us to repentance and the forgiveness that's in Jesus Christ. So that's one great help. The second help that the Lord gives us in crossing the water is a boat. What a clever invention a boat is to navigate dangerous waters. The boat lifts us out of the water and it surrounds us with this protective layer that keeps crocodiles out. Boats can have sails to catch the wind or they can have a motor to move them upstream and they have rudders that make the steering much easier. A couple of years ago, I took a small kayak out with a friend and we wanted to cross the ocean. There were all these lobster boats fishing, but we were trying to get across those lobster boats to a little island. Now we weren't very experienced with boats, but we pretty soon figured out that the pedals in the bottom ran a small rudder. The rudder was a fin in the back of the boat that steered the kayak in the direction that we wanted to go. So we, we arrived at the island, we had this great time exploring, and then it started to get choppy and we thought we better get back to the mainland. So we got in and we started back across that channel, but suddenly it was so hard to steer that boat. The water was choppy and it was slopping over the kayak and the rudder didn't seem to be working no matter how much I pushed on those pedals. It took me a little while to realize I'd forgotten to put the rudder back down. I'd pulled it up when we came out on the island, but I'd forgot to put it back down. It showed me how important that that small little fin could be. Our covenants are like boats. They surround us in a protective layer as we cross the river, and they keep us out of the choppy water and away from the crocodiles. When we work hard to keep our covenants of baptism and the temple, the Holy Ghost, that little fin in the back of our boat, can guide us. He can steer us to the calm waters. But we have to remember that the Holy Ghost has to be engaged. We can't forget to engage him in our lives because our navigation is terrible without his help. In Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I beg you not to take your covenants for granted. They are much more powerful than we realize. You might think that your promises are just a small little rowboat, but it eventually can grow to be an ocean liner that can rescue hundreds of other people. Your covenants are about other people even more than they're about you. The third help that we have is the view from above. From our vantage point on the riverbank, it's almost impossible to see where those wily crocodiles are hiding. But from above, they're easily visible. Prophets are like a drone view. The Lord shows them things from a different angle and they tell us about the location and the movement of all the crocodiles in our lives. Amos 3.7 is as true in our day as it's been for thousands of years. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto the servants, his servants, the prophets. Now you may think in your mind that prophets look like this, but they also look like this. Last weekend, we heard 10 hours of general conference that was sharing with us the view from above. So let me ask you, what was important for you? What did you hear from the prophets that you hadn't heard before? One thing I heard from President Nelson is that Israel is not called because they're going to be better than anybody else. They're not called to be the only chosen people who can be saved. Instead, they're called to be a flag. They're called to be an ensign to other people to show them where Israel's being gathered. 
all those who are willing to let God prevail in their lives are being gathered to meet their God. President Nelson said, The Lord is gathering those who are willing to let God prevail in their lives. For centuries, prophets have foretold this gathering, and it's happening right now. This premillennial gathering is an individual saga of expanding faith and spiritual courage for millions of people. And as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or Latter-day Covenant Israel, we have been charged to assist the Lord with this pivotal work. It takes both faith and courage to let God prevail. It takes persistent, rigorous spiritual work to repent and to put off the natural man through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It takes consistent daily effort to develop personal habits, to study the gospel, to learn more about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and to seek and respond to personal revelation. And then he says, I think you will be astounded as you choose to let God prevail in your lives. You will experience for yourselves that our God is a God of miracles. Ensign College isn't just any school in any college town. You chose to come to a school that has a mission. Ensign College. This is the college, and you are the ensign. Now, I said before, an ensign is a flag or a banner that calls people to come work for a cause. Jesus calls all people to him. Come, follow me. When you enter the waters of baptism, when you take the sacrament, when you receive your endowment in the temple, you take upon you the name of Jesus Christ. You take up his ensign. Ensign College is the place where people who love Jesus Christ are studying for their futures. It will, of course, be a future full of jobs and employment and professions, but it's going to be a future of helping other people cross the river. Your job as the ensign is to point people to the experiences in the scriptures that can help them know what to do. Your job is to help them prepare and build their own covenantal boats. Your job is to listen to the directions coming from that higher view. This isn't about you anymore. It's about all the people you can help to cross the river to safety. So I'm proud to be with you at Ensign College. I'm proud of you and all it took for you to get here. I bear my personal witness that God knows you. He knows your name and your fears and all your hopes and all your strengths. And I testify that when you use the helps that he gives you to repent, he'll make you whole again. And he'll never remember that sin or throw it in your face again. You will be clean and whole. And I testify that like Abraham and Moses and Joseph and Russell, you have a work to do. So you rise up. You be an ensign to the nations. And may the Lord bless you as you try. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.